0: Well, maybe uh, you could wish some people Merry Christmas (laughs) for tomorrow. Stand up, walk around, and uh, yeah, say good (laughs) day. Merry Christmas, mate. You too, eh? (laughs) man. All right. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Thanks, Bob. Let there be light. Well, here we are, remembering Christ again, as we should every day. So, like, I mean, for us, it's Christmas every day of the year, right? Remembering Him, it's a true way. Yeah, because that's what it's about to us. And and that's when God came as God-Man Jesus to this earth and um, came for our salvation. Just before, as I was talking about how God doesn't need anything, um, but we do, and he said that he's going to meet our needs. So I want to think of that in in the way of Christmas salvation. God didn't need us. God didn't need us. So what was it that motivated him to want to meet our need, which was that we be restored back to him? If he didn't need it, he was already in a love relationship. He has angels. He had you know, the Israelites were his people. He had the Son in heaven, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the love relationship there. He wasn't lacking love. What God wanted to do was to meet our deepest need, which was to be restored to relationship with him. Because there's no other reason than love to do that, is there? That God actually loved us and that's what the Bible says. John three sixteen, one one of the most powerful, wonderful verses ever. You used to see it at sporting Events held up, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it, but that through him the world might be saved. And that's the story of Christmas. I just want you to have a look at a picture if we could get that up there. Isn't that cute? (laughs) The baby's cute too. If if you don't know, that's me <laughs> and my little baby, my first one, Jackson. So that was our firstborn. Pretty cute, eh? Like, just look at him little brown eyes and what an amazing event. So I remember looking here at him as he looked back at me and it was just so peaceful and a calm feeling, right? I don't know if, well, whoever's had kids will know that feeling when after it's all over you've got this baby and so cute, sitting there, so innocent, for at least a week or two, starts knowing how to cry and get what it wants from making a noise. But looking at that picture, you've got no idea of the pain and effort involved before that, right? There's a process that happens in life called pregnancy and then you have the labour pains and birth. And sometimes it can be really traumatic for the mum and the dad as well was just screaming at him, it's all your fault. But (laughs) the same can be said of Christmas as well, all right? So we sing sing songs like Silent Night and, you know, beautiful angels and shepherds and all these amazing things happening and they're crowding around to see the newborn saviour. So we're talking about, well, shepherds watch their flocks by night. It just seems so peaceful, doesn't it? And they come and they stand around looking at this really cute little baby cooing in the manger. However, it's far from the reality of the birth. Okay, Now, I'm not just talking about the physical birth here, but when Jesus was born, it was actually the declaration of war. It was a declaration of war by God on on Satan and the kingdom of darkness in this world. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, of Satan. He went around doing good and delivering all those who were oppressed of Satan. So when we think about Christmas this year, I just want us to to think about the violence that Christmas actually has in the heavenly realms. So we see it often as this story of a peaceful advent, you know, like I said, you know, Jesus floated into the world and it was all cool. But we miss the reality of the spiritual battle that was taking place for us, for our souls, for the souls of men to bring us back to the Creator. And we also miss sometimes that labour of the new birth, what it cost that we could be born again. God's plan from the beginning of the world, knowing that man would sin and restoring him back to relationship with him, that it was going to be a painful time. Salvation was not free. Salvation cost Jesus his life. It cost him his place in heaven, which he regained because of his obedience, but there was a cost involved. So we're going to read our Christmas passage for the for the day, which is actually coming from the book of Revelations. Um, now, Revelation is a book that was written by John, uh, who was one of the apostles. He was uh, exiled to this island called Patmos, which is about 100 kilometres from Ephesus, out in the ocean. And while he was there... He wrote this book called Revelation. He's probably around about 80 years old. And in it you'll see all these pictures and imagery and we're not going to go through what everything in Revelation means today, but we're going to read a Christmas passage out of the book of Revelation that shows you the violence of the birth of Jesus Christ because if we don't understand that we don't really understand the cost that Christ paid for our salvation, the plan that God put in place And the opposition to that plan. You see, right now in your very heart, if you have never become a Christian, someone's working in it to try and make you not believe the message of the gospel, to draw you away from the truth. Why? Because there's a destroyer which we know as Satan, also called the dragon, also called the serpent. So let's read from Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun and the moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because of her labour pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. So when we look at that, I'm not going to try and explain stars and horns and that, um, but the woman in that picture is a representative of Israel and the the time that it took to get Jesus, but it's also a representation of Mary. And we see the picture here of this unnamed woman, and this woman is giving birth to a son. The 12 stars in the crown represent God's people, the tribes. The son, if we go back to a dream that a man called Joseph had many, many years ago, represents Jacob and the moon, Rachel, who were the father and mother of the nation of Israel. After Abraham. And the picture is a real great contrast to the story of of the birth that we see in Luke, where we just see serenity. And And like I said, instead of that cooing baby, we see a woman in labor, in agony, going through birth pains, giving birth to the promised Savior that was to be born to redeem mankind. From what? From sin from the tyranny of Satan in our lives, to free us so that we could now have that relationship with God. And not only this, we see this picture of a dragon with its head ready to devour this baby as soon as it was born, looking for the perfect time when the woman was most vulnerable, when she was exhausted from all the effort of giving birth. When she was vulnerable, and also when the baby was most vulnerable. You see, what this picture is is not the birth of an ordinary child, but the birth of a savior. And if you were Satan ready to pounce, this is the most vulnerable time. This is the time, surely, it would be the time to pounce. And so, as he stood there, this dragon in this picture, the hot breath, basically breathing on the woman, ready. Ready to take hold of this child. But then God moves in, and it talks about the child being whisked away to safety before the dragon really has time to make sense of everything. Taken to the wilderness before it was time to re engage in the battle for the souls of mankind. You see, victory in any war is always costly, there is always blood to be shed. But the time wasn't yet for that to happen. This was the time when the Saviour was born. This is the day that we call Christmas and it was an amazing day. It was a beautiful scene in the manger but behind that is this spiritual battle for the souls of mankind. You see, Jesus didn't make it from birth to ascension without Satan nipping at his feet the whole way, trying to get rid of him, trying to destroy this plan of God, not fully aware what God was doing, not fully understanding the cross because the Bible says if the principalities and powers knew what was going to happen when Jesus went to the cross, they would never have done it. And this is what the birth is about, a declaration of war where the kingdom of heaven has now come to earth to attack The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. What a powerful time. It says God came in flesh and he came to destroy the works of Satan and that's why we see Jesus going around and saying, I'm doing everything that my father asked me to do. I'm healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blinded eyes. I'm setting captives free. I'm giving love and compassion to those who need it and I'm confronting religiosity, hypocrisy and control because I have come to set people free. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life. And that life isn't just to stay alive. That life is life more abundant, a richer, fuller, better quality of life, one that we could never have had without Jesus coming into this world. That's what happened here. You see, when he was born, Herod found out through the wise men that they were going to see this baby that was to be the king and Herod destroyed the babies in Bethlehem. He tried to slaughter Jesus as a baby. We see Jesus out in the wilderness being tempted of the devil at his weakest after 40 days and nights of fasting and Satan came to try and tempt him away from the purpose and plan that God had for him. We see Jesus praying the night before he was to be crucified and praying that maybe, possibly, God, could you please take away this cup of suffering? Is there another way, God, to redeem people? And God said, no, my son, there isn't. This is the only way that you go to the cross and carry the sin of the world as a sacrificial lamb upon that cross. That's what you're here for. We see Peter talking to Jesus as he's travelling and and he's saying, you know, I'm going to have to die. And Peter said, no, Jesus, don't go there. Don't go to the cross. And Jesus rebuking Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. God has a plan to redeem mankind and it starts at Christmas. Well, it actually started before the foundation of the world, but that's when the battle lines were drawn. Jesus came to this world to redeem and save men. And we know that war costs. And at the end of it all, Jesus hung on a cross. He had nails driven through his hands, through his feet. He had a crown of thorns stuck into his head, a spear driven through his side. He was abused, mocked, spat on, beaten. And all for us. This is the cost of war. We don't know what's going to happen to our baby when it's born. So when I look at that picture of my son, Jackson, I don't know what his life is all about. I don't know what he's going to have to go through. I don't know what the purpose for God is, but God does. God knows what God wants to do in Jackson's life. But Jesus came for a specific purpose. So did you. And God wants to use you to push back the kingdom of darkness. That's why he's given you the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of you so that you can walk in this world as a king. Not dictated to by circumstance and events that are around you, but to stand firm and tall in the power and the authority that Christ has given you to make at least a dent in this world. But this act of Jesus Christ crushed the serpent's head. The power that Satan had in this world was broken. The power over your life was broken if and only if you choose to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Until then, you. the Bible talks about how Satan is your father, that you have no control over your life, but sin has run rampant in your life. You act, think and do things that are contrary to what God wants, without a thought. But you're captive to that. But Jesus came to set us free. What an amazing gift to the world that day when Jesus came. The purpose for Jesus was set. At that time when he was born, God said, now is the time. Now is the time. And you know what? This devil, this dragon... He couldn't defeat Jesus, and he cannot defeat Jesus' people either. And it's not for the devil's lack of trying. that He harasses, he wages war on the church in as many ways as he can. It includes persecution, Christian-hating governments, Christian-hating religions. He can even go after us through our family members that would tell us we don't need him. As I said before, Satan tried to get to Jesus through his very own disciples. In fact, Judas betrayed him. And the devil has many weapons at his disposal. He's cunning, he's relentless, he's going to keep trying for your soul. But he is also a deceiver, he's a destroyer and a liar. In fact, he's called the father of lies, and we need not believe what he has to say. Sometimes he will work undercover and he appears as an angel of light. And yes, he does win some battles, but I can tell you this right now, in the end, this is the good news. He will not and cannot win the war. It's already won. You see, this Christmas child that was born, he grew up. He did his work through the cross and the resurrection, and he was caught up to God, to his throne. The Christmas child, Jesus, he came to destroy the work of the devil, and he did destroy them, and he continues to do so through the church today as the Holy Spirit works in us. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Jesus is as present with us today as he was back there in Bethlehem. You see, Emmanuel means this, God with us. And at the end, Revelation, this book that we just read a a bit from, tells of this glorious Saviour that returns. He's not coming back the same way as a child to this earth. He's not going to come quietly in a little town, unannounced, in a place that's so insignificant, for the most insignificant tribe that that belonged to Israel, that he came through. The Bible says that he's going to come with a trumpet blast and a shout with all the angels of heaven. And it talks about every eye seeing him. That everyone in the earth will know as this man, this warrior, sits upon a white stallion, he will come wearing the name the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's going to come with all the saints and the hosts and he's going to make God visible on this earth. What is already true in heaven is going to be revealed openly to everybody and he's not going to suffer a thing. Those who oppose him will suffer. They'll be destroyed at his righteous judging hand. But this time Satan's not going to get a shot. He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire where he's going to be tormented day and night forever. And What about us, the people of God, at the end of this war? What's going to become of us? Revelation makes it really clear. God has prepared a new heaven and a new earth for us where the old things like death and sickness and suffering and evil pass away and God makes all things new. Isn't that a glorious future for us as believers in Christ? You know what? You know what becomes of God's people, all of them, don't you? It's the way every good story should end. They live happily ever after. (laughs) This is the story of Christmas. This is the story of Christmas. Jesus was born to declare war on Satan. He defeated him. And any person, any person who chooses to believe in Jesus Christ will, without a doubt, unequivocally, guaranteed, will be saved. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you so much for everything that you've done. We thank you for the story of Christmas, Lord, that you've come back in the Holy Spirit to live amongst us. And Jesus, you are coming again. And we, the saints, want to rejoice in that beautiful final day. But Lord, while we're here, we want to be part of that army. So Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just pray that you'll equip us. Holy Spirit, move amongst us. Strengthen us. Make us strong for battle, that we might take this world for you, that your kingdom might be established on this earth, that your will would be done here as it is in heaven. Lord, we just want to thank you for it right now. Lord, I just pray for any person here today that has never received you. Just ask right now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would touch their hearts, that they would feel that pull of you, the Holy Spirit, asking them to give their life to you. And I just thank you right now for that salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.